Hello again and welcome to the Les Represent podcast, the podcast about everything lesbian and lady-loving queer, everything in that spectrum. I'm here with a super special guest she's been on before. We have unfortunately been talking for an entire <laughs> hour before I remembered, hello, we need to open up and start this podcast. But it's been such a great time and I'm so excited to share this with you. Uh, please introduce yourself and, and I guess go into lengths just in case no one heard your first episode. Yeah, uh, so I'm Emma. My last name is Drury because I, I almost forgot to mention that uh, <laughs> as if I was the only Emma on the planet, which we both know isn't true. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a Drury. Uh, I am an LA-based queer media person. Uh, maker seems like a stretch, but <laughs> I'm getting there. Um, yeah, last time I was on, I talked about my show Recon, which was like gay spies at college uh, being disasters and being spied on. Um, but yeah, now I'm I'm back and I'm excited. We have been talking for quite a, quite some time, but I'm excited to continue. <laughs> you know, if I was clever enough and if I wanted to risk the copyright, I would literally have the track on here, bringing sexy back, what? <laughs> but I don't know enough copyright law, so I'm not going to yeah. do it. <laughs> Possibly dangerous. Possibly but... dangerous. And I just, I just don't want to bother <laughs> with it until I learn more. But mm-hmm. tell us what has happened since the last time we talked, because we talked oh, back in... Yes. January. January. Yes. yes, January. Yes. Feels like I yesterday. Think we talked a little earlier. I think we talked in like oh gosh, maybe maybe December. It was it's been a while. Was it December? <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah, I mean since then I have uh graduated college mostly. Um I'm wrapping up a single class. Um a show I worked on. I I we didn't actually mention this in the previous hour of talking but uh, a show I was working on won an Emmy, which was really cool. <gasps> Fantastic! Yeah. What was it? Are you allowed to talk about it? Yes, it, the Emmys. Yes, it, it has been disclosed. It, um, the show Artificial, which is Twitch's first scripted interactive show, oh and is also Twitch's first Emmy, um, and Twitch's first Peabody, um, because we we won both an Emmy and a Peabody uh, since we last spoke, um, which was super cool. A very cool experience. Um, yeah, and, and I'm about to move into a house with my partner, um, and we have a dog now. I adopted a dog, <laughs> um, and I, I'm, yeah, I'm, it's it's been some time. <laughs> it's like you're nailing, like, literally every, like, life milestone you can, like, this year. You're like, it has to be done. We can't go into 2020 with anything left no. undone. Let's check all of those boxes. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's been kind of a whirlwind year, which which has been really interesting because the year before when I was working on the show, it was very it was it was a whirlwind, but more in like the kind of I was just working, you know what I mean? Um, you know, Recon was my passion project and I worked on that show every day for over a year. And then it, it it's like once it aired, it was like, "Oh, all of the other personal stuff, now it's that it's time to do all that now." <laughs> So I've had two very like busy back-to-back years and, and I mean, they've been great. I have no regrets, but oh, it's been wild. <laughs> I can, I can only imagine mm-hmm. like you're doing everything that I did not do when I was your age. <laughs> oh, it's, it's crazy. I'm, I'm very stubborn. I think is is kind of the I I think we definitely went over that the last episode because you were talking Uh about all the things you did for your series like everything like doing all the editing well Mm -hmm. not all the editing but some of the editing yourself and then (laughs) 
just yeah. fantastic. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I am, I'm very stubborn and I, I refuse to not do things. Um, and I also, I tend to kind of like fall into it, um, which is, has also been a strange part of my life, but, um, I do tend to end up in a place where things just happen. Um, and like they're big life things that just happen to me and I'm, I'm along for the ride, you know, <laughs> I'm just out here trying to have a good time and, and survive like the rest of us. <laughs> Basically grabbing life by the horns. I assume yeah. that's what that means. I should know what that yeah. means. I literally live down here where they say that every freaking day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing my best and I think that's what we're all doing. And, oh, it's been a year. I believe you. So how have you been holding up during the year? Like you said, it's, it's been fantastic. It's been amazing. But I know you're yeah. here to talk about something specifically today. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to get into kind of more like the backseat part of that because I do, when people ask you how you've been, you, you just saw me kind of default into that script of all like the happy things. But, you know, like during this whole time, I've been sick, um, like physically sick. You know, I've, I've been hospitalized uh, twice in the past year. I have seen probably maybe 15 to 20 doctors um, each reviewing my case in like the past year, like trying to figure out why I'm sick. And, and so like, Throughout this entire time, I've been dealing with health issues on top of, um, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder about a year ago. Um, so I've also been like handling that side of things like, like mental health and physical health while my life has been this crazy. And that is honestly, sometimes I say it out loud and I don't fully understand how it happened, but that has been a, a real time consuming part of my life for the past year. No, I'm not going to pretend I know yeah. what all of, like, yeah. all of the symptoms or anything of what it's like to be bi bipolar or to have, be diagnosed as mm -hmm. that. So right. maybe you want to go over that for yeah. the people yeah. who assume that they know? Because I feel yeah. like a lot of people assume that they know what things are. Yeah, bipolar disorder is definitely one of those ones that has a little bit more stigma to it than, than other people or than other illnesses um, because it's kind of seen as being, like, one, I think it's mixed up with uh, borderline personality disorder a lot, which is BPD, um, the same as bipolar disorder, which is also BPD. Um, but BPD usually refers to um, borderline personality disorder, which is a different uh, disorder than being bipolar. And I think they get conflated. Um, so bipolar is a tricky one. Bipolar, for me, um, I, I think I, be I believe I was diagnosed with bipolar 2, which is also a diagnosis that my father shares. Um, and that is is just kind of like kind of slower fluctuations in mood and in um, energy levels. So uh, for me, that means I have highs that are either, you know, I can get like this euphoric feeling where I feel like really great on top of the world. And it doesn't come from anywhere. I, I, it just happens that I feel this way. Um, or those upswings can also look like intense episodes of anxiety where I have like too many, too much energy or too much emotion. Um, and it becomes just like an anxious spiral. Um, on the, on the flip side, because bi bipolar disorder is really about the mood swings. Um, so my highs are anxiety and euphoria. And then I also have lows of kind of like depression and, um, depression is, is the primary symptom, but it's, it's, you know, like depressive episodes that can last anywhere from 24 hours to sometimes weeks. Um, and, and it's, it's 
an interesting thing to deal with. Um, but it, it mostly just means that like you have to understand the impact that the disorder has on your mood and, and kind of move forward with that knowledge. Um, it uh, What it isn't is like, I won't suddenly get like, I won't suddenly go crazy. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's not that kind of like uh, uncontrollable, you know, switch that when it gets flicked, I'm, I'm a mess. It's more about kind of ups and downs for me, even though I do sometimes get sudden mood swings. Um, it doesn't make me crazy. I'm still like aware of what's happening and can address the mood swings as they are. Um, I think that the media has definitely made it incredibly hard for yeah. people who are diagnosed with mental illnesses, especially considering every, mm-hmm. almost every horror movie ever that doesn't have a supernatural yeah. element generally, yeah. generally blames everything on a mental disorder mm-hmm. that's very vague. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's kind of, it, it's very dangerous and it's very silly because if you talk to someone with a mental illness, it's kind of, it's much, much more boring, you know, like mental illness is not scary. I mean, like it, it can be, but it's not a horror movie. <laughs> it's, it's usually just like remembering to take your medicine and drink enough water and sleep well enough and exercising when you can. Like that's, that's the reality of mental illness, not whatever the most recent horror movie was. <laughs> I'm trying to think about, I mean, I don't even know if they're trying to be careful with it anymore. I don't really watch TV or movies, and Mm -hmm. I just, I'm trying to think of the last horror movie I saw that just, the main bad guy was mental illness. And I'm sure there's a lot of movies out there that just deal with, like, oh, it's going to drive you insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, too, one of the kind of more recent um, variations of that attitude has been kind of uh, in response to mass shootings. Oh, um, and gun violence has been like it's a mental illness and it it, it isn't um, like sure that that can be part of it but about a third of the population has some sort of mental illness and a third of the population is not assaulting people um, and murdering people it's really um, not and I think it's funny yeah. how they will always blame it on a mental illness like you see it mm-hmm. you like definitely on Twitter yeah. it's people are very quick to call people's bullshit out, especially if it's a government or anything. And they're always like, it's, oh, they had a mental illness and everyone jumps up about it. And it's funny because in Texas, we've recently had three of them back to back to back, um, like in the last three months, I think. I don't know exactly when the days were. I just remember getting messages from people asking if I was okay because I didn't know where in Texas I was. Mm -hmm. And it's funny. And now they're like loosening the gun laws even further Mm-hmm. in texas which oh yeah anyway That's... it's just like you're blaming it on mental illness and then the, mm-hmm. this is not what we're here we're not here to talk about politics no but i mean that, I, it is kind of you know part part of it like living with a mental illness is boring a lot of the time you know like the things that you have that you do it just means taking care of yourself more and like paying attention to yourself more it's it's a lot of work but it's not exciting <laughs> you know like there's there's nothing interesting about it. it it just it literally means like you know for me um because i on, on top of bipolar disorder i also have uh, anxiety disorders and ocd um and so for me that like uh, the combination of the two means that i have to be ready to adapt to whatever my brain or my body is, is telling me um, and that just means things like 
I need to build in time for me to sleep more than most people. You know, I need like nine hours of sleep usually to be a functioning human being. Um, it means that I need to like work in more time home alone because sometimes I can't handle like uh, outside stressors with my OCD. Um, you know, sometimes I, I just, it will be too overwhelming. And it means that, you know, I have to talk to my friends openly and honestly about the fact that I have these mental illnesses and that I, I have anxiety and, you know, sometimes I will struggle to text back and I'm really lucky that my friends have been super, super kind about it. Um, when I do have days where I, I can't respond to people. Um, but really that's what it means having those conversations and telling the people in your life what's happening. It means sleeping, taking care of yourself, drinking water. It's boring, hard work. Like you said, you were just diagnosed with bipolar this last year. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of want to ask, how did, how did you go about discovering it? Did you just see a psych doctor or something or, cause I mean, you already had something else. Like how did you guys figure out that there was more? Yeah. So that was, I've been in therapy since I was about six years old, right? Like I, I was a super anxious kid. Um, and like I said, my dad who also has, has struggled with mental health, um, he and my mom were ready to recognize the, recognize those signs in me because they knew that it was it was a possibility that I would inherit it from him. Um, so I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder when I was like six, um, and uh, I believe I was also diagnosed with ADHD at that time. And I was thrown right into children's therapy to try and get ahead of it. Um, and so I really I have been in therapy most of my life. Um, I have seen a therapist. Uh, you know, I think I've had two long-term therapists that I've seen for a wide variety of issues, you know, like through teenage stress and angst, um, plus, ang- plus anxiety and depression, it's a time. And so I, I was already in treatment um, when I got my diagnosis of bipolar disorder. Um, and that was, it, it honestly might have taken a little bit longer than, um, than it would have if I hadn't been in therapy like that, because I was I misidentifying a lot of symptoms, you know, like um, the intense anxiety, the depression, I was misattributing those to disorders I already had. Um, so what what really happened in uh, bipolar disorder does tend to manifest more strongly when you are, you know, 1920, which is where I was last year. Um, so I was starting to feel some of the symptoms that I had felt for a long time in much more extreme ways. So I was, I was instead of like um, a mood swing to a mild depression, I was getting mood swings to the place where I was suicidal. And I would look, I would like look at my life and I would be like, this is really confusing because I'm happy. Like everything else in my life, it seems okay. There's nothing like bearing down on me, but my emotions were so strong that I felt suicidal without any kind of you know, like the day before I was totally fine. Um, and so I started, I brought that up to my therapist and I was saying like, I have been feeling like, I've been feeling things a lot more intensely and, and a lot more, almost more in a more confusing way because I would have these emotions and I wouldn't understand where to, where I could attribute them. Where before I was like, you know, I have, I do, I know I have anxiety and I know I've struggled with depression. And so, you know, mild depression is pretty normal. But when it got to that place where I was just like, I don't understand where this is coming from. And I think I need to be, you know, like with someone to keep me from doing something that I, I 
don't want to do. Um, and that's the point where, where bipolar was brought into, into play because I was experiencing such strange and drastic mood switches. And I'm lucky that I'm no longer like I'm, I've been treated to the place where I'm not experiencing those like suicidal downturns, but that's really kind of where the, the turning point in my diagnosis and treatment was when I, I, it got severe enough that I, I finally noticed, you know, Mm -hmm. which is a strange place to be in, but definitely a better one, uh, than, than not being treated. It's a lot of heavy stuff and I talk about it really casually. Um, and that's something else that my friends have to kind of learn to deal with is like, I, I talk about things like, um, suicidal thoughts and, you know, self-harm really casually because it's something that I've, I've lived with for a really long time. Um, but it's not something that a lot of people have like intimacy with. And it's not a, a lot, not something that a lot of people feel like comfortable talking about openly. Um, so it can be a little strange to have that, uh, to have someone just like talk about this thing that you're not used to very, very openly. Um, I mean, how have you seen much change in the way people treat you by adding bipolar onto on top of that? Um, honestly, my friends, I, I often have, my friends don't treat me differently. What I do get with my friends is a moment where I list to them uh, all of the different like diagnoses that I've been given and the different symptoms I deal with. And they look at me like I had, I, they look at me like I'm crazy, not because they think I'm crazy, but because they're like, I have no idea how you kept this from us. Like, I have no idea how all of this has happened to you and it hasn't come up before. Um, and so it's usually just a strange conversation. I see the look on their face and I'm like, I'm really okay. I promise. And they go back to treating me like I'm normal and, and understand like with the understanding that there are some things that happen to me that aren't typical of everyone else, but they just understand, like they become under more understanding, um, without like alienating me, which is honestly, I have fantastic friends and I'm, I'm really lucky. That does sound them. really amazing. Yeah. They definitely, they have a moment where they think I'm a little bit weird because I, I do, I have a crazy list of things. Like I, I genuinely, I save them all for one time because otherwise I, I noticed that um, if I didn't like explain in, in kind of like a one-off, this is what has happened to me. This is my life story um, that my friends would kind of have multiple moments over a period of time where they'd be like, I don't understand what, what happened and I don't understand your life. So I had to, I've, I've had a couple sit down conversations where I've just been like, yes, um, you know, I do have, you know, obsessive compulsive disorder. I have generalized anxiety disorder. I have bipolar disorder. I've had all of this since I was a kid. Um, I also have been sick since I was like 15. Like I, I just kind of initiate them essentially <laughs> um, into my life and, and then all is well. I would like to know how you keep yourself in such high spirits because that's yeah freaking um, remarkable yeah and and that's another thing people have said to me before um <laughs> that uh, i will say when i get drunk i do tend to be very open about these things and i i end up on these kind of long spiels about what has happened and i i end up being like yeah but you know i i still like i'm still happy through it and it's because I have been to some really low places in my life. 
you know, I, I, I mentioned, like, I have been sick, you know, I was hospitalized. I have been in a place as a teenager where I thought that I would never be able to go to college or get married or have kids because I didn't think that uh, I would physically be able to do that or mentally be able to handle that. And so to be in a place now where, you know, even though I'm, I'm still struggling with a lot of things, you know, like I, I still struggle with my anxiety and, and, um, you know, I get panic attacks and mood swings and I struggle with my, my physical health, you know, like, uh, I was hospitalized a month ago and, um, Holy shit. yeah. And I was prescribed a walker because I, I was sent to the ER because I couldn't walk and I was like shaking and having convulsions. I was, I was really not in a, a place where I could be a person without medical help. Um, and so I have a walker now, which is a very sexy look for a 21 year old. Um, I don't use gorgeous. Yeah. Um, I don't use it every day. I, I only use it. Um, I actually haven't had to use it since I was hospitalized, which knock on wood, but when you deal with that sort of thing and then you get to come home to, you know, a partner you really love and friends you really like. And, you know, I graduated college early and when I was a teenager, I honestly, there was, there was a time where I thought I might not even be able to go to college. You know, I'm working a job that I really enjoy doing. And I didn't know that I, if I would ever be able to work full time and I don't work full time now, but I didn't even know if I'd be able to work, you know? And when you're at a place where you kind of think that you might lose everything, it becomes a lot easier after the fact to be happy with what you do have. And so now I, I genuinely, like it's, it's the stupid stupidest advice in some ways because everyone has given it to you before where it's like focusing on the positive and being optimistic I kind of got to a place where I didn't have a choice and now it just it now it's easier you know because in order to survive I had to be optimistic and now that I'm optimistic I'm truly it just makes me happier you know which is it's kind of like putting the the cart before the horse I think you're supposed to be optimistic because you're happy uh, <laughs> But I'm happy because I'm optimistic and because I, I have this view on life where, you know, sometimes you just have to get get to the darkest place before you can can really kind of see the light. And I honestly, I feel lucky to have, like, gotten through a lot of what I've gotten through. And when you feel that lucky, you can't be anything but optimistic and kind of happy about it. It's just absolutely remarkable. I feel like I'm talking to a mythological creature right now. <laughs> like, I I can't even. And I, I'm amazed by you. Like, I was amazed by you the first time we talked. And I'm still amazed by you, especially learning all of that. Holy shit. Yeah, that's kind of the reaction I get, which is also a very strange thing to be, to, to be who I am, like, just like, a, you know, recently not a college kid trying to figure things out. It, it, it's weird to see like people react so strongly and, and people tend to have like very emotional reactions um, to, to kind of who I am, which is, is a strange, strange thing. You know, like I said, I can get drunk at parties and I, and I talk about this a lot. Um, once people start asking me questions, I get honest. And when I get on deep, um, and I've had people like hug me and thank me for talking about this stuff. And it's such a strange 
place to be in because for me this is just like how I live and what I live like how I how my life is you know this is what my life is um and I it's not to say that I, I don't appreciate that um my circumstances are extraordinary and that I I've been able to kind of do some extraordinary things and that that is definitely something that uh other people react to and I understand why um but living that life is is a lot less extraordinary in some ways um because this is my mundane you know being grateful for what I I live in is my way of existing and it feels remarkable to other people and it feels weird that it's remarkable to me because I also think that there are a lot of people in this world who if they had to go through some of the things that I've gone through, if they were faced with those challenge, would find this in themselves um, and would find that kind of strength and, and um, gratitude in a way that I think you don't find until you've been pushed there. And so I'm like, I am grateful that I was pushed to that place. And I also wish that a lot of other people never understand it um, because I think you can only get kind of this type of optimism when you've been pushed that far. I mean, I can't, I can't fathom how else you would live to be, exactly. to be honest. Like I'm, I, yeah. like, I, I don't even know if there's any comment I can make after that. I'm just still <laughs> in awe about it. So it, it, it's just circumstance, you know, like I, I truly, like, I think that I am the way I am because of the things that have made me that way. Um, and I, I think there are a lot of people who should give themselves credit for also, you know, dealing with things that don't seem as as hard as they are um and you know I I all I'm doing is appreciating myself and appreciating my life for the good because I've seen that it can be bad and I think that there are a lot of people who have dealt with a smaller scale who just um haven't been pushed to the place where that they're forced to appreciate it um but really I mean everyone has their struggles and everyone has the things to appreciate you know absolutely I I kind of want to circle back around to how you yeah. handle this other other yeah. than just like like just unfathomable optimism. <laughs> Cause I mean that's that's that is something I can almost not grasp as it is. <laughs> so let's go on to other things that you do to help deal with yeah. this. Like even before yeah. you were diagnosed with bipolar, mm-hmm. you, you were telling me like and your and your actual physical illnesses like you were telling me that your parents put you in ballet and that was a fun conversation yeah yeah I um before I I even knew that I was like sick I knew that um my kneecaps were up an inch too high because my dear mother and her strange genetics um gave me bad kneecaps and then I, I was also so anxious that my parents were like uh she needs to be on a stage so that she can learn how to talk to people and be social and um not not like be too anxious about speaking in front of people or being in front of people do ballerinas talk i mean that sounds really stupid <laughs> let me rephrase that um i've only ever seen the nutcracker and no one spoke during it so no not speak during ballet but they thought that being on stage would be good for me and they also thought that the um extreme uh kind of muscle strength that you get in your knees i guess it's more tendon strength um, in your knees, but they thought that strengthening my knees would be good for me to keep my knees from like wobbling off of, uh, off track. Um, and they thought that it, uh, 
genuinely because ballet is pretty intense um you know I was in classes yeah I I was saying like I was in classes like three hours was a usual class two and a half hours three hours um a few times a week um but that really I mean it, it did change a lot for me I think like um especially as I got older and kind of my anxiety got a little bit worse um you know ballet became both you know with social anxiety seeing people can be very scary and and you know judgment is very scary and ballet is a lot of uh, kind of trying to do things right but just the sheer like the workout that it gives you and being on stage it really helped my anxiety and that's something that like I'm trying to get back towards doing because over the past year my physical health has not like let me do ballet and working out but for the longest time like that was such a bedrock of of my um physical and mental health um yeah ballet important (laughs) that was very important and now now I try to do like yoga and meditation to kind of fill that void until I can get back to dancing (laughs) How is that? Has it worked? I, meditation and and yoga. Yeah. Um. I I don't know if you've heard of this woman. Um. Her name is Yoga with a. Or her name is Adrian. She runs a channel called Yoga with Adrian, and I do a lot of her meditations and her yoga. Um, like it, they're like guided yoga routines because. Um, she's very like non-judgmental about the way she goes about uh, about. Um yoga and meditation in this process um which is very helpful when you have anxiety and like you're worrying about whether you're yogaing hard enough um (laughs) um, but she's like very comforting and relaxing and like mindfulness it's it's again it's one of those things where like everyone has been told this in their life like you have anxiety try yoga um try meditation have you done this but it has been helpful for me and I mean, even now, like, I, I do have a lot of days where I struggle to do yoga, so I can't, like, practice regularly, but even even when I'm not feeling well, I meditate a lot, um, and I, I don't do it for long. I'm not, like, a Buddhist monk who can, like, meditate for hours and hours, but even doing just, like, a 15-minute guided meditation helps me so much. I, I still can't get the hang of meditation I think I've only tried a handful of times but my mind my my mind is in a constant state of is this entertaining me (laughs) which is which is a problem in my life because I will literally Mm -hmm. sit there and be daydreaming just as I'm sitting there because my brain needs constant entertainment which I which I blame for being addicted to television when I was younger no I totally understand that like like I said I also have ADHD which I also got from my dearest mother um and so I struggle to focus so much and that's why I do guided meditations because there's someone talking. And so I can always kind of like, even if my brain gets like lost on some sort of internal tangent or I'm daydreaming or I'm worrying about something, there's like someone to bring me back into it. And that way I don't get like frustrated with myself too much too. Like, um, like if I, if I were like trying to meditate without a guided meditation, I would like sit there. I'd probably make it like a, maybe a minute before I got distracted. And then I'd be like, shit, now I'm not meditating. And then I would try and like start over and just like work myself up until I had been there like 20 minutes and I hadn't meditated at all. Oh and goodness. so for me, guided meditation is like, 
there's someone else in the driver's seat and I'm just here to follow instructions and do my best. And that is much more achievable than like, now it's time to find your inner peace and, you know, like transcend this dimension. And that seems very unachievable to me. <laughs> I, I don't understand any of that. Maybe my, yeah. maybe I should just try harder. Cause honestly, I'll sit there for five minutes or whatever. And you know, those moments when your partner is like, so what are you thinking about? <laughs> I will say something as crazy as, have you ever thought how brave birds are that they'll just like dive into trees and they just, I mean, how do they know where all the branches are? And she's like, why you think about the most ridiculous things? And it's a real good point though. I, I I just, I mean, I I see that like there's hawks where I live and I used to be terrified that they're going to get one of my dogs or my cats. I've learned that the hawks don't want to fight that hard. So they don't. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, I just watch them like, and they'll just like go into these thick trees and they'll just like fold Mm -hmm. up their wings and they'll just go right in and I'm just like have they done this before are there like bird signs that they can see there it's like hard left here like I'm sorry I derailed us and I didn't mean to but like how do they do that well I completely understand that uh I am and I will admit I hadn't thought about birds that that bird specific uh that or I hadn't thought about that specific scenario with the birds, although I'm, I am now thinking about it. I'm so Um, sorry. (laughs) But yesterday, all day yesterday, um, my partner and I took a a kind of like a mental health day off because we were both feeling very anxious and I I was having kind of an off day. Um, and so sometimes when we do that, we just leave. Like we're like, uh, we can't be in our apartment. We can't be in like where we are. We're just going to go drive. And in LA that, that means, we don't get too far, but there's plenty to do. <laughs> but all day yesterday driving, I would just like suddenly speak up and be like, I'm still thinking about King Princess because <laughs> I was <will just laughs> in the background of my mind, always thinking about something else. And I honestly, I've been thinking about King Princess about 80% of my today and yesterday. What's and so interesting about King Princess? You know, so <laughs> it's ridiculous. I just, I really like King Princess's music and I have been like on a King Princess kick, right? Like I've been listening to Holy in 1950 and really like listening to her on repeat. And I was at um, my weekly game night with my my dear friends. Uh, we we like to play board games Friday nights, um, standing, standing appointment. And we were listening to music while playing board games as usual. And I asked to listen to King Princess and I, the, I discovered uh, because one of my friends told me that she was in my grade at USC for a full year. I was classmates with King Princess. What the and I fuck? I didn't know. Right, exactly. And so I've been thinking about that for three days now, <laughs> and I have. I'm. I'm just not over it. I'm not over the fact that I was uh, that we were classmates and I didn't know. Um. Don't hate me, but I don't even know who King Princess is. Oh, King Princess is a musician. I mean, I figured that out. Yes. um, She's a a queer musician. Holy shit. Yeah. No, she's really good. Um, She's like, she's definitely more indie than Hayley Kyoko, but she is similarly sapphic um, and like a really good. With the name King Princess, I can only imagine. (laughs) She did choose that name for herself. Um, I think her actual name is Michaela. Um, 
but which makes sense why you didn't realize she was in your school I'm pretty sure she did not Mm -hmm. put King Princess anywhere no I mean she also she wasn't famous at that point um like she dropped out of college to pursue her career but she worked out for her it, it definitely worked out for her she's doing great um but she literally lived in the same dorm as a lot of my friends now like they lived in the same building as her um I'm just I, I I'm still not over that that fact um and it has been been with me for a while and periodically I would just look at my partner and just be like I'm still thinking about it oh my and god they didn't they didn't they weren't asking but they did start keeping a total of the number of times uh during that day where I just said I'm still thinking about King Princess how many times I think it's total score you got to 12 oh my goodness I was really I was worked up about (laughs) I mean I could I can understand that like Mm -hmm. I I have an obsession with Annie Clark who is the the St. Vincent. She is she is literally St. Vincent. Right. Yeah, yeah. And she was born in Dallas. Her family lives in Dallas. She comes back to Dallas every so often wow. and like does shows here. She even goes to this church that mm-hmm. they have down here. Like it's like it's like like the only mm-hmm. the only LGBT church I know mm-hmm. of around, which that doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. There might be another one. Like she goes there all the time <laughs> to play. Mm-hmm. And I, every time she comes by, I'm just like, shit, I've missed her again. Like, there yeah. was one time I was literally in the same neighborhood that she was. And I was like, mm-hmm. of course I missed her. Of course I did. I and, know. It's, and it's fine. It's fine. It's just, it is, but it's also something that sticks with you, you know? It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to say to myself is, it's fine. Like, what would I even do if I met her? I know, Freaking and that's nothing. the thing. Like, I, I don't think I have much in common with King Princess as a person, um, but it's still, I just, I, I can't, it just sticks in, it sticks in my brain. Um, and right. And for whatever reason, I can't let go. <laughs> the same, the same thing, literally the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. Annie Clark, like, if you've actually heard her speak, she is way freaking smart. She is like, Damn. She's like a freaking wow. genius, and it's. Mm-hmm. I'm just like I can't sp- speak to that woman. Like I don't. I'm not smart enough to talk to her. Like I know it in my heart. Oh my gosh, I feel like I, I'm definitely not cool enough to talk to King Princess. Oh my god. Like, anyone who has listened to, to King Princess will understand. There is like a kind of sheer confidence that she has I feel in like her music. Like any musician has to have a sheer confidence to sell no, new albums. Hers, hers is next level. Like, um. In her chorus, she has a line that's that's just like, "Honey, on your knees when you look at me, I'm dressed like a fucking queen, and you're begging me, please." Oh my like that line she says, and she's twenty. She's twenty. What? She's twenty years old in that confidence, confident, and I'm just like, I cannot relate to this. I haven't figured out my foundation color yet. Like I'm, I'm not that type of person. I'm not cool enough. For, for that situation. <laughs> I, I never met her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there's a line mm-hmm. from this, a different artist. I'm talking about a different artist now that I really like, mm-hmm. uh, Sandy Gold. And she has a line in one of her songs that I'm not a gambler, but if I was, I'd bet money on me. Ooh. And I'm just yeah. like, shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, can I have like an ounce of that, please? Yeah. Honestly, like, maybe, like a tenth of that, like a percent of that would just be great. Um, yeah, so I, I, I just couldn't get over it, in part because, like, 
in part because she was so close and just like, it's weird to think that like we were at the same place and our lives are just very different now. But also because in general, I can't stop thinking about King Princess because she is so confident. That have I, I made this worse for you? Like, have I just made this worse by making you talk no, about it? No, it's, you know, I probably would have talked about it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> it would have came up anyway. It would have come up if not to you, then to someone. So, <laughs> I'm glad I take maybe, that box for you today. Yeah, maybe I've gotten it out of my system. Uh, um, I don't but, no. Yes, King Princess, highly recommend. Uh, take a listen. She's, she's a very good at what she does. I mean, I hope you have another recommendation because I like to put those at the end. Yes, I do. I do have Praise. multiple recommendations. Um, where were we? We're lost now. Yeah, I think, I don't know. The last thing I remember is talking about the birds. Oh, um, that was my fault. I started this. Because <laughs> we were definitely talking about meditation, meditation and that's what you do now to yes, help I, I level do. yourself out. Yeah, it is. It, it's Clearly I need it, because I spend a lot of time thinking about King Princess. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, I was saying that I, I do guided meditation specifically to prevent things like my brain going off and spending the 15 minutes I was supposed to be thinking about meditating, thinking about King Princess. Um, but guided meditation keeps that from happening. Can you often. can you explain to someone who's never been able to properly do meditation what mm-hmm. what meditation does for you? Because I'm sitting here thinking about it. And I'm like, how does just thinking about meditation or doing meditation yeah. help people? Because yeah. I just don't know because I've never been able to achieve it. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, um, like I, I have a lot of like anxiety, which is just a lot of pent up energy. Um, and so again, because I do guided meditation, it's like a very kind of gentle process, right? With breathing exercises and, um, you know, easing into it where um, I'm, I'm listening to someone giving me instructions saying, now, you know, focus on your breath, focus on this, focus on that. So I'm able to just let go and listen to the instructions. And what I find is that when I, when I do that, I slow down. And it just kind of brings me to a place where my brain isn't moving as quickly. I don't feel the need, like I don't feel any of that anxious, fast energy in my body. And I have been able to kind of ease myself into focusing on just breathing to the degree where everything kind of fades in the background. And when I stop focusing on breathing, everything's still faded. So it's it's definitely a process of getting to a mindset that it's not something I can do on my own. You know, I genuinely, I do not meditate without a guided meditation because it wouldn't work for me. Um, but I do know that when I listen to a guided meditation at the end, I feel better. And so I just, I focus on that, you know, like I'm, I'm not trying to achieve inner peace. I'm not trying to, again, I'm not trying to move to a different dimension. All I'm trying to do is kind of make myself feel calmer and more relaxed and I know that it's effective so that's all I'm asking from it is kind of that calm was there anything else you did in your childhood that helped you out because you did ballet and then we talked about for a little bit how was it you who did softball or was your dad who did my dad okay so I don't know if you know this but do you do you 
you said your dad had it. You, your dad had anxiety, and that's how they yeah. kind of knew that maybe you were going to have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Would you be able to know if the experience of him having the anxiety and his treatments, how it's evolved as it's gone forward? Because you've had it, and, like, do you guys yeah. do the same things? Well, we it, it is it's definitely interesting because my dad was diagnosed a lot later in life, uh, like across the board. Um, so part of the reason that they were on the lookout is they wanted to because they, they saw how much my dad had struggled to effectively manage his anxiety without knowing. So they wanted to know they, they wanted me to know that there were options available for treatment. So it, it's interesting to have that comparison of my dad who struggles with a lot of similar things but who didn't get ahead of it and we actually we do have a lot of the same coping mechanisms you know like he does yoga you know he's you know a 50 year old retired English professor you know who does his yoga and his his stretches and he also meditates we actually that same channel yoga for Adrian we both really like that channel um to kind of help with meditation and anxiety um and he he I think has done some transcend, uh, transcendental meditation as well. Um, and he, we both have our, our little dogs. Um, I have a 10 pound Jack Russell Terrier mix and my dad has three beagle mixes. Oh God. Um, uh, and, and having them, I think helps both of us. Um, you know, it, it's a routine that you can get into and I, I haven't had as much benefit from it with anxiety or my anxiety hasn't benefited as much from having a dog as my dad's has. Um, but the routine is helpful. Having like a cuddly companion to, to help with anxiety is really nice. Um, and for both of us, uh, you know, our medication has been really important um, in, in treating our mental illnesses because I, I have been on medication since I was 17 and I do not intend on going off of it um, because it, it oh, it takes the edge off. Like, I believe you. Like, um, it's it's such a funny way to phrase it, but like medication will never solve any mental health issues, I think. Like it's never gonna like cure you, but it takes the edge off. Like it just makes everything so much easier to deal with and like gets you to a place where you can like do things like meditation and yoga and get to a place where those are helpful. So for both of us, medication is is a bedrock of, of our treatment. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk to how important routine is for you? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting um, because I am not a very routine person and bipolar disorder kind of by nature is, is less routine, right? Like it's about the mood swings and kind of the uncontrollable. Um, And so trying to find a balance is like a 21 year old in college and, you know, maintaining a routine is really strange. Um, and I, I, I'm still trying to figure out that balance a lot of the time. And, and, you know, things like having standing plans with my friends on Friday nights is actually super nice because I know exactly what my Friday nights are going to look like. And that's something that I can kind of take off, off um, my schedule and knowing that like um, – or not take off my schedule, but I can take that off my mind. Like, that's not something I have to worry about. And, you know, because the rest of my life can't be as routine as that, I do my best to keep track of it. Um, so, you know, I have a, a, a Google calendar, or not a Google calendar, an iCalendar that I share with my partner 
that we have like our entire life on so that we always know what's happening. Um, and you know, I hate this, but I wake up early. I wake up, not early, early, but I wake up at eight, a lot of the time, eight or like eight or nine very regularly, um, to be up in the morning. And that is so important because otherwise I feel like I hate that I'm one of those people who has to get up early to stay sane, but I have to be up before a certain time or like, I, I just, my anxiety will be worse. Um, it'll, things will be a little harder. So it, I guess like for me, it's not about like the strict routine because I can't, I'm not in a place, I'm not working a nine to five. I don't have a full-time job. So I'm not in a, a place where I can have that daily routine yet. So instead it's about making sure I know what's coming um, and making sure that I build in the time to handle my mental illness and my physical illness that I need. So, you know, I make sure that I know I have a therapy appointment on the books. I make sure that I know I'm meditating and that's how I kind of keep routine without routine. It's just making sure the schedule is, is set and clear and healthy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I need to get on one of those. I'm bad at routine. Like if it's like literally my eight to my eight to whatever the hell I stop is tends to be my routine. And then outside of that, I'm just like, I don't even know. No, I'm totally the same way. Like, I mean, I I feel like I'm like, I'm a creative, you know, or whatever. Like I just, sometimes I like, I need to write or sometimes I need to be like, like something in me is like, I have to do this specific thing right now for a while. And obviously part of that is, is, the the obsessive compulsive disorder where I kind of focus on one thing but a lot of it is just the way I am so I don't have a daily routine where like I do xyz I'm like I have a set of things that I know I need to do in order to make myself happy and healthy and stable and I just make sure I I do my best to do them um and I like I fail sometimes and those are kind of the bad days um and, I, you know, I had one of those bad days this week where I knew I needed to get, like, pick up my medication and it things slipped and I didn't get it for a couple of days and I had a rough day. Um, so I kind of pick myself back up and go back to, like, what I know works instead of doing, like, a routine because a routine would fail constantly with me. I just got to hit, hit, you know, the major things, the major to-do list, and then I they, then I call it a routine and everything's fine. I thought that was a routine. Hmm. Maybe I should do some research. I don't know. I, I thought that was it. You just hit the big things and there you go. You know, I think routine is different for everyone. My dad, I know that like the thing that's most helpful for him is having like a clear set, like a daily routine. Like he knows that in the morning, this is what he's going to do. And then he's going to do this. And then he's going to do that. And I know that's been really helpful for him in the past, but like, I can't do that. My brain does not want to do that. Um, So instead, I I kind of, I figure out what works for me because routine in the kind of like very traditional sense doesn't. But my version, my version works for me. Absolutely. Give me one second. I was listening to that. And now there's like a monstrous noise outside my window. You're totally fine. The fact that you can't hear it gives me hope, but I know this mic definitely picked it up. Yeah. Oh, I, podcasting, I, um, we're working on like a mini podcast for recon that we recorded a couple months ago and boy, Holy was cow. That, 
Yeah. That's I, exciting. I can... It is. Yes, we are we're trying to figure things things out on the recon front. Goodness, I mean crap. What ah, how do I work that in the podcast and still edit out the fact that I was like, <laughs> we have to hold on a second while you're pouring your guts out to me because there's a noise <laughs> happening outside. No, no. Hi, I'm Lauren Flans. And I'm Nicole Payson. And we have a podcast called Coming Out with Lauren and Nicole, where queer folks from all walks of life tell us their coming out stories. We've had incredible guests like Stephanie Beatrice from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Dot Marie Jones from Glee, Brianna Venskis from, like, every show ever, and many, many more! Coming Out with Lauren and Nicole is available on all the podcast platforms. And you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at at comingoutpod. Thanks for listening, and we hope you check us out. Bye. So welcome back. <laughs> welcome back from the break. Uh, so tell us, tell us how your shit. <laughs> tell us how your show is going, because I know you guys. You released like back when we talked. You guys had released season one. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Where is that going now? Because you said you've had a lot, a lot of like personal life boxes to take in your own mental and physical oh, health God. to look after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, well, it has been a year. And, um, like when, when you are dealing with mental health and, and physical illness, sometimes you kind of got to put stuff on back burner. So season two is coming, but not as fast as we initially thought it was going to be. Cause I actually, I was hospitalized for the first time right after the first season Oh, aired, no. season finale aired so I was it was quite the month you know it was finals my show had just finished airing and then I was in the hospital um so we we put pause but we are planning a comeback hopefully soon we're thinking maybe um January February ish um because we recorded a podcast that's so um, exciting yeah it's a prequel podcast so it's it's a little bit interesting it's um it will be in like five to ten minute episodes, kind of similar to the length of, of the first season. But it will be the process of kind of like getting into the academy. So it's a series of interrogations mixed with college interviews, kind of going into the backstory about how our main character ended up being a spy at, at a spy school <laughs> um, and kind of delving into her life before the show started. Um so it's super cool. We're excited about that. And then we have we have figured out what season two will look like. We have um, scripts. We have or we have some scripts. We have overall like a plot. We know what's happening. We know the characters. We know the story. Um, and we we're hoping to maybe do like uh, a crowdfunding campaign in the next six months or so that mm-hmm. we can record season two and and get that off the ground and at the same time like my my writing partner and I who um he was a producer on recon and also a writer um we're also like starting to work on other stuff like other queer media um to kind of bring into the universe of recon not actually like crossovers but we're starting to work on like more cool queer media to do um and that's exciting yeah like while we're working on getting season two of Recon off the ground, we're also like we're working right now on an animated series. Um, Whoa! Yeah, it it's neither of us have ever done anything like this before, but um, I'm really excited at the prospect of it. Like 
um, it would be kind of like a, a magic system. So it would be a tattoo magic system. Um, and this little web series where uh, there's like a cult, like a, a very religious cult that um, this this girl with tattoo magic is born into and, and is forced to leave. Um, so we're, we're working on that. Uh, and actually another podcast, like a, another queer sci-fi podcast, um, that would be like a, a super cool, um, kind of almost a kind of like uh, Star Wars isn't exactly the word, the word for it, but it is very like, it's set in space. Um, it's, uh, another, sci-fi. yeah, in the future, a completely different civilization, you know, zipping across planets fighting dystopian governments punching nazis like that sort of thing uh but in a podcast but gay um and then another um my writing partner where this is all we're like working together and uh we're finishing up a um short film that uh he wrote that is like a musical fantasy high school drama um, and it's it's a short film set in that universe. So we've been busy. <laughs> it sounds stuff. like it. It's wow. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I'm not surprised at all that yeah. you have a bunch on your plate because that seems very you to have a yeah. bunch of stuff on your plate. But those are very exciting things, and yeah. to have them have them all in the works or like in some mm-hmm. stage of creation yeah. at once is. I'm still going to be asking you how the hell do you do it. <laughs> I think like some of it is just like I bounce between projects so like they move a little slower because we're doing so much um but we also like uh, my writing partner Justice and I we one we work together a lot so we have like a really good working relationship and two we both just like we're idiots who love and who fall in love with our stories and then can't can't like not do it you know like once you have this like idea in your brain, it, I just can't stop thinking about it. It's the King Princess thing. Oh my like, god! <laughs> like, except with fictional characters that I've come up with, I'm like I can't stop thinking about them. Um, and so it, that eventually turns into writing, and eventually turns into a show that turns into you know a project. But of course, we will see how many of these uh, get funded and get made, and hopefully, hopefully we'll have them. But either way, it's fun to work on them. Absolutely. I'm happiest when I'm creating things, so. I, I can tell. I yeah. can <laughs> tell because you always have something on the burner. You always have something you're cranking out. Mm-hmm. And you always have something that you're wanting to contribute to, you know, the community, to society. And you said, like, are all of these queer? Did I? Yes, like, all of them are queer. I'm glad. Absolutely. I'm glad that I heard that right because sometimes I'll insert yes. things in and be like, "It's queer, yay!" And I don't, like don't listen to. I don't people. think that I'm. I don't think I'm physically capable of creating something that isn't queer. Like I don't know if I could do that. I think I would try, and then I'd be like, "Wait, but this character's obviously gay." Like how? How? You know, like I, I, I just don't think I could do it. Like being queer is just a fundamental part of who I am, so it comes across in the stories that I make and the people I make stuff with are also very queer. Um, so it's just fun. Like it's not possible for us to make something that isn't flamboyantly gay. Um, and I have no intentions of changing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, it's just so much fun and it's so much to work with. And there's so much that people haven't seen. Like, there's so much of it. Like, you don't have to sit there and be like, is this overdone? Because you know the answer is no. The answer is absolutely no. No, unless it's like a bad stereotype. Like, it's the answer is no. Like, it's just, I mean, milk it for what it's worth, in my opinion. I know. Because we just need it. Like, I know. And that's the thing, like, it's so easy in some ways, but it's also like so important because like it's just such a relief to get to enjoy like like cool stuff and also have it be gay. Because the thing about when when you have queer media, it doesn't mean that straight people aren't there. It just means that there definitely are queer people. And so yeah. like I, I have written straight characters. I don't know I how you do it. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, I've never seen a straight person. What are they like? I know, right? Like, who are these people? I just don't understand. I know. Um, But, like, it doesn't mean that I don't write straight people. It just means that I also write gay people. And so it's like, for straight people, I feel like they don't understand the relief that you get when you're just, like, watching something and there's also a character like you. It's not that suddenly everything is gay and we're living in, like, a world where every single person is queer and there are rainbow flags plastered on every building. It's not like, this is reality, except everyone's gay. It's just, gay people are also there. Queer people also are in this story. And being able to, like, enjoy something cool and also know that's true is so valuable. Not to mention, you get to work with so many interesting dynamics that, you know, it's just so restricting. Like, straight culture has done this to themselves. I swear to God. Like, it's just... You don't, you don't have as much, like, literally, literally, you cannot have a show with two men, and it, and they act remotely mm-hmm. affectionate toward each other without everyone going, <laughs> they're gay, literally. And it's just like, it's can like, you imagine how hard it must be? I mean, no. this is not sympathy to mm-hmm. them, although in some cases, I guess it should be. They've done this to themselves. I don't know where I'm going. Mm-hmm. I'm digging myself a hole. Help me. <laughs> um, just... It's just so much constraint, and you get to you get to work yeah. so freely with those relationships. You already know you're writing it. Yeah. You already know. I mean, that's definitely true because, like, I feel like um, the idea of something being queer, and, and again, like, it comes back to the thing, like, something being queer doesn't mean straight people doesn't don't exist. It doesn't mean that like people who are in heterosexual appearing relationships don't exist. Like it doesn't mean that men can't be attracted to women and women can't be attracted to men and men and women can't exist. That's not what queer means. I think queer is a very like, it's a fundamental rejection of the kind of binary notions of gender and sexuality that straight culture kind of forces on you. And so a queer show is one where like, yeah, men can like women, women can like men. But also, because we're rejecting the idea that, like, being a man looks a certain way, maybe that man who likes women can also have a really close platonic best friend who he lives his life with a ton. Maybe, you know, that relationship can be super important. Maybe, like, maybe that man who likes women can also like non-binary people and also like men. Like, there are just a lot more flexibility about what relationships look like when you stop eliminating queer relationships because there are so many different types of queer relationships and there's only like 
one type of straight relationship that's pushed on us and like only one type that's really like represented and it's getting better like there are healthier better straight relationships being shown on tv but overall like for some reason like unless your show is queer a lot of people like a lot of creators don't feel comfortable writing that type of like non-conforming relationship if they're straight you know what i mean like um to rephrase that like i feel like there are a lot of people who write kind of who who are writing straight shows and think that that means that they can't um like break into different types of relationships and like show you know really strong platonic bonds or um you know just relationships that don't fit into the the kind of current molds and so i feel like the only place you can find that is in queer shows um like kind of like atypical relationships even if they are between a man and a woman i feel like a queer show is probably going to do a more interesting job than one that's just trying to like maintain binary ideas of relationships absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely i feel like i need to move away from the subject because i'm getting ready to bash on straight people and this is not that show it's so easy they make it so easy but this is not that show and it, it isn't that it show. isn't but they really they make it hard on themselves they do they do they do oh my gosh i'm not just, all i'm super excited for all of your projects though. I'm super excited for anything you're gonna be able to dish out. I'm very excited to, to see what happens. I'm excited to get back to Recon too, because like we have great fans. Like Recon has like not that many fans, but the fans we do have are great. Like in the past week, two different people who are fans of the show have messaged me. Oh my and, gosh. Like, like they're just so sweet. And I, I'm excited to like get back to that community too because they are lovely, lovely, lovely. I mean, I definitely think that your the little podcast that you have that's going to be coming out is definitely going to scratch that itch oh, for a lot of I them. I bet they're super. Really are they? Do they know it's coming? Are we like bursting no, a secret? No, no, no. It. Um. I mean, if you want that exclusive, feel free. <laughs> I mean, no, no, no. That's. I'm just saying. Like, are we, are we popping a bubble for somebody? Yeah, no, I haven't, we haven't talked about it yet. Um, feel free to like include it, like no no worries about that, but we haven't announced that yet. And I am super excited um, to kind of like see people's reactions, um, not only to like hearing it, but to actually like getting it. Um, because I think once, once we pitch the concept to our audience, they're gonna be super excited because it gets into like our main character who's like closeted until college, it gets back into her when she's still closeted. So we get to see like we get to see her journey a little bit more and I'm super excited about it. I'm actually like I'm really proud of this series. Like I I think I only wrote one episode of it. Um I delegated to um a couple other writers, but I'm so proud of what they did and like what happened like what uh I'm just really excited for it. I think it's going to be really great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like me have an exclusive on something I got taken back when you said that I'm just like well I feel important but at the same time like I don't know I don't know what I'm doing um (laughs) knows what they're doing I don't know what they're doing um I am I am like I came from a very small pond and now I'm in a big pond 
and I'm learning how that works. I feel um, like we're in the same boat here in this really mm-hmm. big pond. Like, I don't, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> editing yeah. this is going to be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but queer podcasts are really having their moment. Freaking tell me about it. Like, no. I mean, I hope this moment stays forever. Yeah. Like, I hope it doesn't end. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's really cool, like, to see a lot of queer podcasts, like, coming up. I'm super excited for that, too. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I'm super, I'm excited. I'm really happy that people are discovering that they can have a voice and that they have a way <laughs> to go out there. And I'm definitely, like, there's, yeah. there's never going to be too many podcasts about people's stories there will never never be those because Mm -hmm. we have we're so different in so many Mm -hmm. different ways and it's it will you'll lose your mind at how Mm -hmm. some people are so alike yeah from from all over the world you'll be you'll just Mm -hmm. it gives leaves you a really great feeling on the inside i'm like losing my train of thought as we speak but I think we did this last time where we both were talking about how cool and amazing like queer stories and queer people are and then we just ended up just like talking about how great it is for like (laughs) (laughs) and just living in like this little bubble of like wow everything's amazing everything's amazing I mean it's a good place to be it's a good place to be it's not a bad place it is certainly not a bad place and it is very true because it is very amazing and it's great to get caught up (laughs) I'm excited to see where your guys' podcasts go. Like, I'm super excited about that. Yeah, I am too. Like, it, it, it yes, I think it'll be fantastic. I, I'm, now I'm getting the urge to just, like, go and, like, edit it, even though that's not my job. <laughs> so now is the time that we do our guest-to-guest question. And our okay. guest-to-guest question is when my, po- my guest from the last podcast asked my guest from this podcast a question without knowing who each other are. Mm-hmm. Um, this question uh, came from the ladies from the Warehouse 13 podcast called Podcast 13, oh. and they so smart. I'm still reeling from how <laughs> smart they are, and I could have just been talking to them for hours like mm-hmm. I am you. <laughs> and their question was, who is your favorite queer person from history, rather historically or fictional? Oh, this is a good one. I, Okay. I was such a Latin nerd in high school. I was co-president of the Latin club and like I went to Latin conventions. Like I full on did the thing. So Caesar, like Julius Caesar, it sounds ridiculous. He has such a soft spot in my heart for potentially being such like such a queer slut. Oh that my he god. Has, like, drinking songs written about him. Um like there were like like he um slept with this king and uh like there were like songs written about how he slept with this king and he was like so good at being like a bottom that um they just like it's crazy he is just like a chaotic messy slut in my head and i love it so much because he's obviously like a very important historical figure um but it makes me happy to think about him just being like a power bottom and being really, really good at sex to the point where they write drinking songs about him. Uh. When I think of historical figures who were known for like being bomb.com about like yeah. in slutty ways, I usually think about Cleopatra and it's funny how that intertwines considering they were like yeah. a thing at one point. Yeah, no, so, that, was, that was the thing. Cleopatra uh, gets all that kind of like sexy um, like reputation 
Julius Caesar got around. I believe it. I think every freaking yeah. every yeah. Caesar got around. I like, know it was um, like the he was like it became such a joke that he was referred to the queen of like Bithynia, Bithynia, like uh, some country that I can't remember how to pronounce because he slept with the king so often. So they would just call him the queen of that country. Oh my um, god! As, like, yeah. And this yeah. is in Latin. Like, you can't dispute this. It's in Latin. <laughs> no, it's it's one of those things that, like, historians just conveniently ignore. I hate that so much. I know. But, yes, he... I, I like my version of Caesar better, which is just that he was kind of a chaotic slut um, in, like, the best way possible. I bet it he was, though. Happy. I yeah. bet he was, though, because, like... Mm-hmm. You, you look up any kind of monarch, and they're all kind of just messy sluts. <laughs> messy sluts with sometimes mm-hmm. really bad hereditary disabilities. Yeah. And especially in Rome, everyone everyone was having a good time in Rome. Oh, my God. This reminds um, me. I'm not, I'm not trying to interrupt you. It reminds me no. of a podcast I was listening to. It's um, Everything's Awful Forever podcast. Mm-hmm. Where they go back in history and talk about how everything was just awful, how everything has always been awful, and it's just <laughs> who we are as people. We're just awful people. Yeah. They're really, mm-hmm. they're really funny ladies, um, yeah. and they had an episode where they were talking about um, what was that guy's name? Oh no, oh no, it was a, it was a, it was a ruler of Rome at one point. Mm-hmm. What was his name? There were oh, so no. many. There are so many of them, but Honestly, um, you think these are, and it's quite. It, it might be one of them. I, I, it wasn't Julius Caesar. It was, who was it? Um, yeah. Started with the C. This makes yeah. it even harder. There are a lot of, like, there are a lot of them that share names, too, yeah. because the way that you name yourself in... It's a time. The it's, the... Not, it's not Colossus. My brain keeps wanting to say Colossus or Catalongus, and that is not what either one of them are. Um, I'll, I'll look it up and I'll send it to you. Because... Happiest? I don't know. Like he had, like he he literally his problem was that his that he he had a hereditary disability because his yeah. parents were like siblings mm-hmm. or either siblings or cousins or something, mm-hmm. and he actually yeah. did have severe oh, man. I just severe severe mental illnesses. He actually did have those, mm-hmm. and he had so many concubines and like so many oh. people. And he yeah. had one. He had one that was a a, a young man. Might mm-hmm. have been boy. I don't know. It sounds awful. Yeah. And he actually renamed him to mm-hmm. the boy who loves and then his name. That was literally, he renamed his his concubine that. Oh, my that. gosh. And I'm I... like, and he would also, um, like, everyone knew that he was kind of off his rocker and that he would uh, dress up as, he would dress up as a whore on purpose. Oh he would dress wow. up as a whore on purpose and then l- lower his guards to him to have sex with him. Oh. And they they kind of all knew about it because it's like you don't just not recognize the yeah. the ruler of your country. You know, they just right. kind of had to play along with it. And that was a thing yeah. he did on a regular basis. Like he was mm-hmm. just Yeah. Oof. He was just all for it. And I'm sad I can't remember his name because that ruins the pun by not knowing his name. Because uh, he literally mm-hmm. renamed someone the boy who loves. That's insane. I'm going to send it to you. Yeah. I'm going oh, to definitely yeah. send it to you. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, and devastating, but mm-hmm. anyway, oh I'm sorry. I completely yeah. interrupted into control no. of that. Yeah, Caesar, Caesar is my, my favorite go-to um, queer because he was definitely, 
the man was not straight. No. Um, I don't think anyone was straight back then. I feel like that's propaganda. Yeah, it was like a lot of a lot of important people were not straight and we just pretend they're straight. Caesar's one of them and Caesar Caesar was a very messy um bottom and I love it about him. Now I'm like really curious about how him and Cleopatra were in bed and that's inappropriate. But yeah. I just I see her as a top anyway. Yeah. So I mean is yeah. that wrong? I mean, yeah, she killed all of her siblings, but I feel like she was definitely a top. I feel like you can't be that powerful and not at least be a top sometimes. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I think her and uh, Julius Caesar got along a little too well, and I think that was no. probably that was probably one of the problems. Yeah. Yeah. There, honestly, Caesar being you know kind of messy and getting around really makes like ancient, like Roman that era much more interesting. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It just makes it a lot more interesting when you remember that there was a lot of like, um, kind of not quite inbreeding, but you know, there, there was a lot of, um, sleeping around happening amongst the important figures of that era, which I think is so funny. I think that that has not changed ever. No, no, (laughs) no, it hasn't changed ever. I don't know why we pretend it didn't happen because it's been happening forever. I know, but it's just so much fun to remember that it's happening. When you think about like stodgy history and like the busts and stuff, just remember they were all sleeping around. I love that idea that they're just this is a really powerful ruler. He was also a really messy slut. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's it just makes me happy. It's such a fun dichotomy. It it definitely is. Um, so, what will be your question for our next guest? Yes. Okay. Give me. Ooh, take your, okay. take your time. No, I, I I just thought of a good one. Um. Oh yeah. I was, I was a little backstory so that it doesn't come out of nowhere for you. I, I have um, some beautiful framed photos of my hometown on my wall from my parents because I grew up in a very strange hometown where uh, statues of um, frogs are very common. Goodness. And so on my wall, I have a framed picture of a frog uh, from my town because we have probably at least a dozen um, frog statues in a very small area. Um, what? Yeah, my town is super quirky, super fun. I adore it. Okay. Um, so I would like my question to be, what is your favorite thing about your hometown that is different from, like, where you're living now? Like, as long as they're not living there. But either way, favorite thing about their hometown. That's cute. Like hometowns are very fun and adorable. And oh, I like appreciating, like, tiny little towns they're always so weird and i love them so much oh my god that's adorable yeah we have so many frog statues and it's the weirdest thing i just i would like to know whose decision was that um like is there a plaque somewhere that says here's the history of our frogs yes um so i can i can tell you that story it is oh my god um it's so it's so funny um this is also one of those things that I like initiate my friends into because my hometown is very bizarre. Um, so my hometown, small little town in Connecticut, um, we're right off of a tributary of the Connecticut river. Um, it's, it's a town called Willimantic and it's been there back since, you know, um, native Americans were still like a threat to colonizers. Um, and apparently way back when, uh, there was something called the Battle of the Bullfrogs, where at night the town heard from the riverbank 
some extremely loud noises. Um, you know, they, and they thought that it was a Native American tribe preparing to attack them. There's a lot of like colonial bullshit in this story, but at the end it's very funny because when they woke up the next morning after spending the entire night trying to prepare from an oncoming attack from Native Americans, went down to the bank of the river and realized that the noise that they were hearing was actually bullfrogs killing each other because the river was so low that they were having a territory battle. Oh my god. They spent all night preparing for war while bullfrogs were like duking it out for land and then just like woke up to all of these dead bullfrogs. And then for some reason, we're, we've decided that the best way to remember this embarrassing moment in our town's history is by making uh, our town animal and our town mascot a frog. I mean, have you looked at the South? Have you looked at the yeah. South? Where they're all about just it's very, it could or moralizing their embarrassing defeats. It could be a lot worse. Um, it could be. And frogs are pretty cute, and the statues are pretty adorable. That's um, really funny, and now I'm like really yeah. wondering what a bat bullfrog battle looks like. Oh gosh, I don't I, want to look at it. I no, there are no pictures. This is like way back before I think cameras were a thing. I mean, I mean, like um, it, I'm pretty sure there's a documentary somewhere about territorial bullfrog fights, and I don't <laughs> want to look it up. I'm sure, I'm sure that can be found. Yes, <laughs> I'm um, very sure it can be found. <laughs> it is. It's a very amusing like um bit of bit of town lore um but it, it i do mean it when i say we have we have a bridge called the frog bridge that's oh my God. minorly famous um that has four giant frog statues on it uh when i was a kid we had a competition or not not i don't know what it was but basically like a bunch of local artists took the same blank frog statue and like painted them in a bunch of different ways and so we have those all around town that's beautiful um, yeah, there are a lot of frogs involved um, in my hometown, and it's I, lovely. I, I actually, I really enjoy it. That's really um, lovely, actually. This is the cutest thing about American history that I've ever heard. Yeah, my town is is very weird. We're also on the box on the back of Annie's mac and cheese boxes, um, or we used to be. Um, they had like a little story about uh, a boombox parade um, because our we had like the first what's called a boombox parade in New England. I don't know if it's spread elsewhere. But instead of like bands, we tune into the radio station. Um, everyone in the parade tunes into the same radio station. And so everyone has like the same music throughout the entire parade um, in that little story. Because for somehow we're the first people who did it. Um, and because we were the first people who did it, Annie's Mac and Cheese put us on their box. That sounds very obnoxious for some reason. <laughs> I have no idea why. But it sounds very obnoxious because, like, what if you didn't like that channel? It would be like you couldn't be in the town the entire fucking day. Oh, no. it's We have, like, a specific parade. Okay, good. Um, so it's, like, only during the parade, like, every single float has that channel on. I mean, that's lovely because I was, yeah. like, we were we were in the 4th of July parade here recently mm -hmm. around my where we live now. And, mm -hmm. like, there there was a band up front and then there was, like, no no other... Uh, no other music yeah. really that was anywhere else and like every float quote-unquote float which was honestly somebody in their jeep with like a little banner across their yeah. jeep um they would go by and like every car was playing something else and a mm -hmm. lot of times it was rap yeah and it was like oh this is very interesting this is interesting yeah. and i was in the parade so it was like mm -hmm. this is this is weird yeah well that's what 
the a boombox parade fixes. We don't have bands. We just have radios. I feel like everybody. It works really well. <laughs> it's it's really like it's it's a it's spread a little bit throughout New England, um, and it's a super cute parade, and it, we call it the boombox parade every year. Um, That's really cute. Yeah, my hometown is pretty adorable. <laughs> uh, um, so, I, I mean, I would love to talk about the subject forever, mm-hmm. but we have to wrap this up at some point, yes, unfortunately. So what uh, what are your recommendations? Yeah, so aside from King Princess, who I'm still thinking about, <laughs> uh, I have been really into Shit's Creek yeah. for the past few weeks. Yeah, it's on Netflix. The fifth season is coming out on Netflix in like a week or so. And the sixth season is like airing. It's so cute. It's like, um, it's a Canadian show. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, I've, I've heard good things about it, but I haven't particularly yeah. watched it. Yeah, I've heard good things about it too. And then I finally watched it and I love it. It's like, it's really cute. Um, one of the main characters is like queer. One of the creators is queer. It has Eugene Levy in it, um, who was, who was did um, Best in Show and a lot of things that like my parents made me watch when I was a kid. Um, so it's like a soft, soft, soft spot for him. And it's just like a charming little show about these, like this family who like loses everything and moves to a town in the middle of nowhere. And like, they're very rich and disconnected from the world. And suddenly they're very poor. Um, but they like actually like each other. And so they're able to kind of like make progress and like learn how to exist in this town. Plus there's a queer person, which is always great. That's fantastic. It's really good. It's a sweet little show. I highly recommend it. I I won't lie to you and tell you I'll watch it, but I'll definitely hold it in my mind the next time I crave yeah. to watch something. No, I, I did that um, for about three years before I got to Schitt's Creek, so I <laughs> understand. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for coming yes. on and talking to us. Yes. It, I, was, it was lovely as... It was before. I'm so glad to hear our reputation still precedes us. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that we haven't changed that much, <laughs> but at the same time, it's. Mm-hmm. I hope everything continues to go well for you. Good luck with moving. Yes, Good I luck. Thank you. I will need it. Good luck with the podcast. Good luck with yes. the show. Yes. Thank you so much. And, and good luck continuing on with this. Absolutely. I I hope I never stop because I love it so much. I love getting to so get in touch with people and knowing how their lives are. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so glad. And I will hopefully talk to you in another year or so. <laughs> <laughs> Come back on. You're always, always welcome. Yes. Well, have a nice rest of your evening.